Well, I'll focus on our first reading from Jeremiah today. I'm going to introduce one big fancy word here into my homily. I try not to do that. I try to, whatever fancy word I've got in my head, I try to translate it into normal terminology. But this particular word is very difficult to translate into normal language. I I really can't think of an equivalent for it. But essentially, whenever you look in the Old Testament's prophets in particular, and you see this sort of an ideal future being portrayed... Okay, It's a future where Israel is not divided from the north and the south, and they're not scattered, they're gathered together, and the land is very fruitful, and everybody's happy, and there's, you know, the population is growing, and it's plentiful, and they have victory over their enemies, and they're secure from external threats, and there isn't a foreign nation ruling over them, and they have a king that's... And they have sovereignty and all. Whenever you see this kind of ideal future, and usually it's prefaced by the words in those days or at that time, whenever you see that, what we're talking about is what theologians refer to as the eschaton. Okay, the eschaton. It's a Greek word that means the end. And it's really tough to find an equivalent for it. If you're to say the end, you know, you really got to describe it more. Because it's not the end in a negative sense. It's the end uh, in the sense of having a goal. You know, there's the, the idea of like means and ends. This thing is a means to an end, a goal. So all human history in the biblical vision is ordered towards a particular goal. And God has this purpose, this aim in his mind, in his divine mind from eternity. And he arranges everything so that it all culminates and leads up to this, this final goal. And that's his purpose for the, for the world, for his people in particular, for those who love him. Uh, as St. Paul says, we know that all things work together for the good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Okay. So this, the eschaton, is the final fulfillment and the outworking of all of God's plan. Now, how to find one word to explain that? I don't know. I can't find it. <laughs> so i got to use that word eschaton, so I apologize. So you see that the eschaton portrayed in figurative terms, in terms that Jeremiah's audience would have been able to understand, in, ter- in, in terms of imagery, at least, that they would be able to understand. That... Eschaton, the, the, again, another big word for you, that eschatological, okay, it's an adjectival form of, of the, this noun, that this eschatological vision that we're seeing in Jeremiah is fulfilled in the church. It's fulfilled primarily in Jesus Christ, okay, and then through the church, which is his mystical body, and through the sacraments, which are an integral part of the church, okay. And it's also fulfilled in his second coming and the culmination of all history, so forth and so on. So whenever we look at the eschaton in the Old Testament, we're seeing all of the, this kind of bundle of New Testament realities portrayed in metaphorical and symbolic terms. Okay, So there's never going to be real a, a time where literally Jewish people are in the Holy Land and uh, you know they're going to be the head of the nations and they're going to kick everybody's butt and all this kind of stuff. Like That's never going to happen. Okay, It's imagery... That is meant to portray Jesus, the church, and uh, the fulfillment of Christ's 
work in the world through the Holy Spirit and through the church. And so what we see here says the people that escaped the sword have found favor in the desert. So I say all that to say, just to kind of contextualize things for us. And this is the verse I'm going to focus on. The people that escaped the sword have found favor in the deserts. People that escaped the sword have found favor in the desert. Very interesting line. What we're seeing here in terms of imagery is, imagine Israel, Jerusalem in particular, in Jeremiah's case, it was really the city of Jerusalem. And it was surrounded by the Babylonians, by this foreign power, this foreign enemy. And they were besieging the city. And it's like all throughout Jeremiah's life, there was nothing but the sword, meaning war and death and killing. No peace. All right, Tons of political conflict, both within the people of Israel and between the people of Israel and their neighbors and, and these foreign conquerors, the Babylonians in particular. Nothing but strife and conflict. And we see in the eschaton a deliverance from that conflict. We see peace. Okay. And it says in particular that they found favor in the desert. Isn't that interesting? They found favor in the desert. And if I could almost sum up the entire biblical vision and almost like the essence of Christianity. It would be in the image of a desert, ironically enough. Because the de- there's a paradox going on here. All throughout the Bible, the desert is portrayed simultaneously as a place of death. Okay, there's no life in the desert. It's, it's deserted of life. It's deserted of society. It's deserted of people. It's deserted of civilization. It's deserted of community. It's deserted in some cases even of animal life. All right, maybe you got some lizards or something hanging out in the desert. That's about all you got. Serpents. All right, there's not much there. There's very little plant life even. And yet, it's precisely in the deserts that grace is found, that favor is found, that life springs forth. Think of John the Baptist, a voice crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Okay, And it was in the desert that Israel was prepared to enter into the promised land. And it's the desert of the cross. It's the desert of the cross that brought the life of the resurrection to the world. And so, the desert in the Bible and for us as Christians, is paradoxically a place of death, but life flowing forth from death. In our own lives, what I think a really immediate application is, is a time where we let go, it's like Lent, okay? It's a time where we let go of all the noise, we get away Quite frankly, we get away from people, okay, so as to draw closer to God. It's a, a time and a place where we let go, especially social media, all of the gizmos and the bells and the reminders and the images on the screens and all of that stuff. We get it away. We create a space in our life that's free of all of that kind of social interactions And uh, it's free of the conflict. It's free of conflict between people arguing. and It's free of all the stuff that you see on the television. Democrat versus Republican. 
People who believe in masks, people who don't believe in masks. <laughs> All of that kind of crap. We're creating a space where that, that doesn't exist. And uh, so it's bereft, really, kind of, of society and of people. It's bereft of the conflict that necessarily attends upon society. <laughs> and that's so true of human beings. And uh, in, a, so in a certain sense, it's a place bereft of life. But yet it's a place where life springs anew, a higher form of life, a supernatural life. And in our lives, we need to, it's absolutely essential to find the deserts because that's where God's favor and grace will be found. So even setting aside 15 minutes a day or 20 minutes a day, that's my desert time. All right. Sometimes at the end of the day, the best thing is really early, early in the morning, before anybody's awake, before there's no life, before human society has begun to stir and to move into action. Okay? And and there's this place where there's quiet. And that's where God is going to be found. And we need to renew ourselves every day in the desert. That's where God's favor, that's where God's grace. Daily Mass is really in a certain sense a little bit of a desert. Okay? We're finding that life in that place. It's early in the morning, it's quiet. And it's so, so important. So, um, I can also thank you, too, for, for the prayerful atmosphere that we all create here uh, every morning. It's a, it's a very beautiful thing. That's that desert, and uh, that's where we find God's favor. We, we need to do it every day and be, and be very jealous to guard that space, that desert place, because that's where we find God's grace to be renewed every day.